0: I'm
1: Shannon and I am Rami and this is Workplace Hugs where we talk about interesting things we've read or heard or listened to or experienced (laughs) to help us all expand our life toolkit with a whole bunch of empathy without a whole new degree. Shannon you read a book I want to congratulate you on that. It's always uh, I think exciting to me when I finish a book but you read a book with an extremely long title and I'm very excited to to learn about it.
0: Yeah, so the short title of this book is The Power of Meaning, but then the subtitle is Finding Fulfillment in a World Obsessed with Happiness. Uh, and this book has... Oh, go ahead.
1: No, I, I really like that title. It has a lot of tension in it, and I want to understand it.
0: yeah this book really made me think a little bit. Uh, So this book is basically exploring like what makes life worth living, which is a pretty huge question that I think people have been trying to answer for, you know, like, I don't know, forever. Mm -hmm. So today, we're going to talk about just three, three things from this book. First is the two paths that people most often pursue to a life worth living. And like, which path are you gonna choose, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Then
0: we're gonna talk about four ways that you can source meaning. And then lastly, we're gonna talk about how we can tactically find meaning in in the here and now or the everyday.
1: I so, love it. I'm yeah. excited to have a more meaningful worth living life after this.
0: Wonderful. So let's talk about the two paths to life worth living. One is happy the happiness path. And the other is the meaning path. So let's break these down a little bit. Like, what what the hell does that mean? So the happiness path in the book, she defines it as when you focus on doing what feels good. So this looks like really trying to have a high ratio of positive emotions versus negative emotions and really pursuing a life focused on pleasure and enjoyment, Typically, people who are on the happiness path don't experience much stress or worry. But here's the other edge of that sword. It can create a kind of shallower, self-absorbed existence. In the mm-hmm. book, she goes so far as to say, like, that's the life of a taker. And I was like, okay, I think that might be a little aggressive because I also feel like I know and, and I myself have told myself, like, oh, it's bad to pursue happiness or pleasure. To a way that can be detrimental. So like, I think there's a both and to be found here. Mm -hmm. But just keeping that in mind that if we do too much of the happiness path, we might begin to live the life of a taker. So now let's contrast that with path two, which is the meaning path. So here, instead of the focus being on doing what feels good in the happiness path, the focus is on being good. So this looks like a focus on how will I contribute to society something beyond just like contributing to me. Uh, This focus is on connecting and being involved in community. And I was so glad that she acknowledges this. This path may result in you having higher levels of worry or stress or anxiety because you're caring caring about things that are much larger than yourself. Which I don't know about you, but that can feel pretty overwhelming to me sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know, the climate crisis is an example. But it does create, or her research has found, it does create a deeper, richer, more satisfying life. And she calls this the life of a giver instead of being the life of a taker. So Rami. What path do you think you followed in your career thus far? In your career? Have you focused on more happiness or more meaning?
1: That is an interesting question. Um, I've... I think... I've always... Like, my goal, I remember when I started out in my career, was always to do things that hadn't been done before. And I've been very lucky in my career that most of the roles I've gone into, no one has done them before. They didn't exist before me. Mm-hmm. Um, which gives me a lot of happiness. But I think it's been a lot of trying to go down the meaning path of, like, contributing and filling gaps that weren't known? Mm. Yeah, I don't know. It's That's hard. a good question.
0: Well, and it's hard to... I think sometimes it's hard to compartmentalize, to be like, oh, I was just strictly, but on the happiness path. Like, there's this is probably a spectrum, not just mm-hmm. like a A or B. For me, I would say, if I'm really honest, I was probably pursuing what I thought was the happiness path for a really long time. Yeah. <laughs> of like doing... Following the career path that would make me happy. In fact, I'm remembering when I was choosing my major in college, one of my dilemmas was do I want to be the hands that do the good, i.e. the path of meaning? Or do I want to be the hands that make the money that do the good? Because it takes money to make some good happen in the world. Yep. And I obviously chose the latter for the first 10 years of my career. And I think even still, you know, if I'm honest, I'm probably choosing that still a little bit. But I found a way to blend the two. I do think it's interesting, though, to look at, like, your career versus your life. So I'm curious, in life, what do you think – what path have you chosen more often? Is it the happiness path or the path of meaning?
1: I think it ebbs and flows, like, based on where I am and where, like, I am in that portion of my life. Like, I can see – Pieces of it where it was like, oh, this is happiness, and this one is like, okay, now our focus is really on like being really good. Because there are like times where I, there were like months into years where my wife and I were traveling all the time, whether it was for work or pleasure, and it was like, oh, that was like we just want to do like the happiness path. Yeah. And then there were times where it was like, nope, we're gonna hunker down, we're gonna save money, like we're gonna get ourselves ready for that next step in our life. And I feel like it ebbs and flows based on how diligent we want to be in the short term.
0: Well, and I'm so glad you shared that because what you're making me think of now is I wonder if it's almost like a capacity thing. Like if she calls it the happiness path that I would say you could almost look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like, are your basic needs being met? Like, are you good, you know? And then it's probably easier to move more into the meaning path. But if you're not good, absolutely. Your focus should be on how, how do I get whole again? How do I feel Mm -hmm. good again? How do I be happy again? So we don't need to demonize it as the life of a taker and the life of a giver, but maybe there is a give, give give and take in that. So here's the other part that I thought was interesting, if we kind of transition into the next part of this book a little bit. What she shares in the book is that historically, people have found a lot of meaning through religion. It was the default path to get to get meaning to experience meaning for a lot of folks for a long time but she talks about how millions of people are leaving religious institutions and so it's leaving this kind of void for the greater population who's leaving religious institutions of how can we find more meaning then like what are the other sources available to us if we're not just trying to be good for the sake of getting into heaven or whatever your higher power is. So this is a part of the book that I was like, okay, I'm interested in this because historically I've thought the only way that I access meaning is through work. It's like, that's, that's the choice point. Like, what do Mm -hmm. I do in the world? That's what makes things meaningful. But she actually says that there are four different sources of meaning. Two, I think are more concrete. Two, I think are a little (laughs) Right, in my opinion. So here are the four s- sources that you might access meaning from. The first is belonging. So we all have this need to like love and connect to other people. And that one I can't wait to dive into more because that one got me thinking a lot.
1: Mm-hmm. I like the that one. The
0: second one is purpose. I think this is like what I was saying earlier about work. Purpose is where I think a lot of us try to source meaning from. You know, yep. doing good in the world so that others can have better lives. The third way that we source meaning is through storytelling. So what are the stories that we're telling about our place in the world? We'll talk a little bit more in that in detail. And then the fourth is transcendence in her words. So that's like seeking out mystery, losing yourself in something larger. For me, that sounded the most like the old path of religion, you know, of like feeling like you're part of something bigger than
1: all of this. – Transcendence, Shannon, what a nice word. <laughs> – It's a big one.
0: So let's dive into each of these a little bit deeper. So belonging, right? At its core, we all need to feel understood, recognized, and affirmed by friends, family, and partners. We all need to give and receive affection. And when she was talking about belonging in the book, what I loved that she focused on is that you can't control whether someone will want to make a high-quality connection with you, but you can always choose to initiate connection or reciprocate one if someone is reaching out to you. And she gave some really basic examples in the book that I was like, yeah, that's beautiful. So responding kindly instead of antagonistically to an annoying colleague, saying hello to a stranger on the street, choosing to value people, choosing to invite others to belong in your circles or spaces, choosing to reach out.
1: Can I uh, agree and yeah. and tell a a story that you're not asking me to tell, but I really want to tell.
0: Yes, I so want you to tell with
1: it. With all of these things, it's like just making that first connection and like, oh, you see someone like wave at them or say hello, right? Um, I was working in a part of town where there was like a lot of very affluent people for a while. Like I was driving through the neighborhood every single day because that's where our office was. And, like, I'd see people in the neighborhood, and it was very, like, neighborhoody, Like, tons of houses, tons of people. And so I'd always wave at, like, people as I was, like, driving through. One day, Shannon, I waved at this lady. Okay? Yeah. And she, like, waved back at me. Because I'd gotten really used to, like, waving at everybody in the neighborhood as I was driving. It was just like, oh, this is, this is like, my neighborhood. Like, I'm yeah. just gonna wave at everybody. So then she waved back at me, like, in a very, like, oh, we're both, like, in the neighborhood. Like... Hello, neighbor. It was Diane Keaton, Shannon. Diane oh my gosh. freaking Keaton. So, moral of the story, wave at people, because you might wave at Diane Keaton. <laughs> and she might wave back at you, Shannon. She might wave back at you. OMG. So now do you have a friendship with Diane Keaton? I wish. I, I saw her twice within like a month, and that was it. Wow. So I love that story, crossed. though. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. But on a much more uh, common level, uh, when I walk my son to school in the morning, we have started to see the same people. And so now every morning, we always say hello to each other. And it's like a thing where we always see them and we're always saying hello. And it started yeah. by by him just saying hello to everybody. But now like they respond and they're excited to see us every morning.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. And honestly, I think in a post- pandemic-ish world. I always feel weird when I say that, but probably everybody does. I feel like belonging might be a source of meaning that many of us are still craving. Or maybe it's just a me thing. An example I wanted to offer, hearing your stories, was uh, showing up for orientation to our daughter's school. She's been going to this school for a year now, but I felt like a a lack of a sense of belonging because – I was like, do all these parents know each other and I'm the one that doesn't know each other? And then I started talking to a parent about that sensation and they were like oh yeah, I feel the exact same way. None of us knew each other because it's been a freaking pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. We haven't had a chance to build relationship or feel a sense of belonging to this school or the school community because of the pandemic. And so it, it was such a lesson for me of like being the first person to reach out and choose to try to like create some belonging or create some community where there isn't one because you may not be the only one that feels that way. And I found the same thing in my daughter's Um, competitive dance line parent group. We're all kind of like new to this and this culture. Mm -hmm. and None of us know what we're doing. But we all seem to want to like crave to create community with each other. And sometimes you just have to be the person to initiate or extend a hand. So Rami, I'm curious, what are some places or spaces where you feel a sense of belonging or where you're creating one right now?
1: I really like meeting all the people on my kids' walk to school. I'm, like, good friends with a lot of the – it doesn't sound right to say this, but it's mostly moms who, like, drop off the kids because we'll, like, see each other at the same times every day. So we're, like, asking about the kid's development and, like, where the kid is. Like, oh, your kid's just turning two and they don't talk. My kid was turning two and he didn't talk. So, like, don't worry about it. Just, like, that's how it is. So, like, I think those have been really fun. And especially when you have a child – I think having other parents who have the same or slightly older kids uh, is always really helpful because they're like, oh, that's a normal thing. Or like, my kid doesn't play with other Play-Doh toys anymore. Would you like them? And then you get a bunch of Play-Doh toys from people like Shannon, which is really <laughs> nice. So thank you again for those, Shannon. You're welcome. Uh, but I, those have been really fun. Um, in a, I think either last week or the week before we talked about how obsessed I am with the band Switchfoot, but, um, there's like a discord. I feel like there's a discord for everything. Uh, but there's like a discord for Switchfoot. And so it's been really fun connecting with all those people. I feel like a much younger person when I used to go on like the, they had like a message board, like I'm going to date myself here, but like 20 years ago. And like, some of those people are on this one. It's like, Oh my gosh, we used to talk all the time. And now we're talking all the time everything has changed except that we both still like the same thing and it's very nice to have those spaces and connect with people uh, I love the Vikings and so there's like a conglomerate of people here who like get together and we all watch Vikings games together at this bar uh, and that's always really fun so I think like I I'm very blessed I have lots of these these places where I f- feel my belong. Ning, belongingness. Yeah. Where, Where are yours, Shannon?
0: I love all those examples you gave because maybe this is going to inspire listeners to find examples. So, some are the ones I already mentioned. So, beginning to feel a sense of belonging with my child's school community, beginning to feel a sense of belonging in my child's um, competitive dance line community. But as you were sharing examples, I was thinking about others that maybe I had before, but I'm hungry to get back to. Well, I think the locations have just changed. I always fantasized when I became an entrepreneur of, like, being around the neighborhood and, like, living out the Cheers song where they're like, where everybody knows your name. (laughs) And so for me, it was a really cool moment when the Hakan, the owner at Sovereign Grounds in Minneapolis – knew my name and knew what my order was every time I came into that local coffee shop or the same for the lunch place across the street at Turtle Bread. Like That was always something that I longed for of just to feel that feeling like you belong here. And while the pandemic maybe shifted what places, it's like becoming the same and now Nokomis Beach and Coffee on the other side of the lake instead. So those stick out to me as some places of belonging because I think in entrepreneurship, it can feel... It has felt – it can feel lonely, you know, but finding other creative ways. And some of the ones that Rami mentioned, too. Those are great.
1: Uh, they do know my son and I's order at our donut place, which I think I mentioned before. And so every time we walk in, they're like, apple fritter, boys. And we're like, yes.
0: Yes! Which
1: is fun. So. And
0: it's so small, right? Like, these aren't huge, but yet, quite honestly, I s- – I, source, I do source a lot of meaning from that, from feeling connected. Like relationships are meaningful. It doesn't have to be super deep to still feel
1: meaningful. It's just interesting to know that other people recognize you, which especially in a digital world, especially in a very pandemic world, having people say, oh, I hear you and I see you and I remember your order Or your name, like is huge.
0: Or like, and I'm going to notice when you're gone, like Hakan throughout the pandemic of like, oh, how are you? How's your family? You know, I missed you this last year. Like, how's everything going? It's how's your business? Is everything okay? Like, it's meaningful. It, It can turn into meaningfulness if we allow it to. Mm -hmm. Um, the other like last thing that I want to highlight underscore belonging, because I did want to spend a lot of time on this one was, honestly, for me, this book has changed a little bit how I approach transition coaching, because I think a lot of times people come in and they assume it's my work that needs to change. But I don't know that we think enough about belonging and how much meaning that creates in our lives. And so sometimes it's not their work that needs to change. It's like helping them find community again, or or recognize like places and spaces that they want to feel like they belong to that they don't yet have, or that they want instead of the communities that they have today. So think about that. If you're feeling unsatisfied, maybe you just need more belonging in your life. Okay, let's shift gears into the second source of meaning, which is purpose. Purpose can sound really big, right? Like, I'm gonna end world hunger, eliminate nuclear weapons. But it really doesn't have to be. And I appreciated that she she covered that in the book. Your purpose can f- be being a good parent to your children. It can be creating a more cheerful environment in your office. Or <laughs> she drops this example in the book, or making a giraffe's life more pleasant, right? There are so many little ways that we can find purpose that don't have to be big and overwhelming to our nervous systems. The two things that she does say, though, is like typically there's two dimensions to a purpose. Those are, first, a stable and far-reaching goal, and second, involve a contribution to the larger world. So stable, far-reaching goal, so it's basically something that's going beyond the mundane or immediate goals, like, oh, I'm going to go to the gym or do the dishes or get a promotion. It's a goal that we're always working, right? It's a forward-pointing arrow that may never hit a destination. It may be more like a devotion that we have to be at or have to be with. And then the involving a contribution to the larger world part, I think that's self-explanatory. So Rami, with those two ingredients in mind, a stable and far-reaching goal and involving a contribution to the larger world, do you feel like you have a defining purpose right now?
1: You know, it's really interesting. And I'll go back to what I said earlier. Like, I think it really depends on the time and the place mm. for, like, what it is. I think right now, personally, like, my biggest thing is, like, being a good parent and partner to my wife. Mm. Um, and I say that because, like, she has to work a lot more now and, and travels for work. And so, like, more of the kid and more of the house burdens fall on me which is fine because I feel like that's what my driving purpose is right now and I think it's hard for her to be like oh he's like doing all these things but it's like for me I see that as like my purpose right now like that's Mm -hmm. that's what drives me right like I gotta get the kid I gotta make dinner I gotta like do the laundry get everything make sure that like we're in a good place so that when she comes she's not like overburdened by chores because her purpose right now is really a focus on her job which has like larger longer term purposes and goals for us and so yeah i think that's mine i think the important thing is like how do you connect your purpose with your partner's purpose and make Mm -hmm. sure that they are supporting each other and not contradictory right shannon if if my purpose was I'm a hundred percent focused on my job. And my wife's purpose was I'm 100% focused on my job. Then it's like the house and the family and the kid fall apart. So yeah. I think it's like, how do you find a balance between the two? Right. And these are the things that we talked about in the episode with you and Nate, but I think it's a, probably an important conversation to have with your partner of like, what is your defining purpose right now? And how do we support each other to, achieve those because that's what it is in the short term right but like yeah. maybe all of that pivots in six months and now we're doing the opposite like who knows
0: totally i love that you're saying that and that's so inspiring for me to like man i can't wait for nate to come home so we can talk about that <laughs> he's in any nine though so he will help i can already anticipate his answer of like i don't i don't nothing no like i don't know what my purpose is like i remember my dad always saying Uh, good kids, good wife, good health, good life, or something like that. Like, that was his purpose of, like, how can he be in service, maybe, to those things? Yeah. I think for me, I definitely resonate with you on the being a good parent purpose. You and I haven't had a chance to talk in a while, but I am just loving motherhood lately. Like, there is something magical that's happening in my relationship with my daughter right now where I'm really – seeing it as a much larger purpose than I think I ever did before of like just how important it is that I'm present for her and that and the conversations that we're having and the way that she's like we're engaging feels actually quite meaningful for me lately in a way that is surprising um and then my secondary purpose I would say right now but honestly it feels just like so insignificant if i'm really vulnerable to being a mom is be helping people be with messy middles like helping people mm-hmm. embrace the messy mucky times and seasons of life sometimes because i'm i get excited about that when i think about what that could do for our world if we all were a little bit more skillful in how we navigate those times and seasons and more compassionate with ourselves and how we might then navigate the messy middles of the world a little bit differently. So I don't know. Those are the two for me these days. Should we dive into numbers three and four here?
1: Yeah, these ones to me, I I want to know more, Shannon. Yeah. Tell me more about I, storytelling and transcendence. Am I just going to float away at the end of this?
0: You pretty much are. And I, I honestly don't want to spend a ton of time on these two because I, I don't think there is tangible. So, so storytelling, that's the third source of meaning. This is really about like how the story that we tell ourselves and others about our life can really increase or decrease how meaningful our life seems, right? So we literally make meaning by the stories we tell ourselves. And I th- I'm sure we've probably touched on this example in a past episode. I don't even know if she gives this example in the book, but the one that comes to mind for me is uh, people who are in custodial services in hospitals, right? They can see themselves as a crucial element to some ways someone's pathway toward healing, or they can just see themselves as another cog in a big machine cleaning up the mess that others leave behind, right? And depending on how you view that, you may have a very different experience of your everyday life as a custodian in a hospital.
1: I'm going to pause there because I said you have something to say. You can also do this in the wrong way, right? Like I felt like when I was running tea, hot chocolate, hot cereal, which is oatmeal, I felt like I was making the world like a much, much better place because I was like, when people need their tea, if I do a good job, it's there and I'm making everybody's life better because they're getting that tea. But I was talking to a, a guy who drives an ambulance yesterday and he was like, the reason I like doing it isn't. Is because I want to like help people and like make their experiences with the ambulance a much smoother experience. Mm. He's like, I could go get paid way more to do something else. It'd be a lot less stressful. He's like, and I would probably have a ton more money in time. He's like, but that's why I want to do it is like, because I love being able to like leverage my gifts to make that experience, which is rough for anybody, a little bit better. And so like, I like that, that idea of storytelling, especially if you're driven by a, you're able to find a higher purpose in the work that you do and let it, I don't want to use this word because we're about to use it, but like transcend what your job entails. Like the janitor in a hospital, I think is huge, right? Because they're doing so much. And if they see it that way, I think they if they see it that way, then hopefully others see them that way and give them that same level of appreciation and respect.
0: Yeah, they're like literally making it possible for someone's life to be saved, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's all in the story that you tell. But I love that you challenged it of like, yeah, I can remember how I made myself feel really, really super important, making sure those pink and purple comforters got to your local Target store. So maybe it is like a double edged sword. But In the book, she would just encourage you to tell a positive story about your life as a way to access more meaning, too. So it's a smaller tweak, I would say. The thing that she didn't talk about the book, but when I was writing these episode notes, I thought, I think this matters, too, on the storytelling piece. Listen to the stories of other people. I think this matters and that we can feel such a sense of meaning by both sharing our story, but then also listening to the stories that other people want to tell us. Like maybe it ties back to belonging in some sense of a way. So mm-hmm. just a caveat there. Okay, now let's talk about this big word that Robbie keeps throwing around. The fourth source of meaning, transcendence. So I think of this as those awe inspiring experiences. So the moments when you realize just how small you are but in a good way, if that makes sense. So when you can forget or set aside the focus on just yourself and be in awe of the mystery that's all around us. So I think about, I recently took my daughter and my godson to the Minnesota Science Museum. And, you know, being in the omni-theater, if you've ever been to an omni-theater before, where it's just like all-encompassing and you're looking up at like huge imagery of space and you're just re- reminding yourself of like, wow, I'm really just like a tiny speck of dust in this universe. In a good way of like, putting it all in perspective again. She gives examples in the book, so some might experience transcendence while attending church or engaging in religious traditions, and some might experience it when in nature or staring up into space. So that's transcendence.
1: Yeah, I agree. Every time I go to the ocean, I always look, I'm like, Prince, can we see the end of the ocean? He's like, no. It's like, it's really big, isn't it? He's like, it's really big. Yeah. Like, yeah. Look, we've done a few episodes on feeling small. I don't think there's a lack of things if we just open our eyes and look around to make us feel small. Like, even the idea that, like, the computer, Shannon, that you and I are talking on right now, like, was made by a bunch of people, like, in some other part of the world. And now we get to, like, use it and it functions and allows us to connect is, like, makes us feel small again. You
0: just blew my mind there. Okay, so, yeah. So, lots of ways to practice transcendence through feeling small in a good way. Okay, so let's wrap this up a little bit. So uh, the last thing that I want to touch on this book is about finding meaning in the right here and right now. So even if we don't have the capital M meaning, you know, like we don't have the purpose or the deep sense of belonging or the sense of awe and wonder, how can we find meaning in the everyday? That's something that I've been focusing on a little bit more. So as an example, some of these are things I've already talked about. But for me, I think about successfully launching my child into adulthood, right? That might be a P purpose. But right now, how can I apply that to my everyday and see things as meaningful? Like when I take time to teach her how to read every morning, or when I have the Talia time when she gets home off the bus every, every afternoon after school and she wants to play Moncala with me. That is sometimes we can easily want to skip over those moments and be like, Oh, this doesn't matter now. Like we got to get on the bus or we got to get to making dinner, but it's like, can you find the everyday meaning realizing it actually is tying back to belonging or your capital P purpose, if you will. Rami, how are you finding everyday meaning lately?
1: I think it's all the same ways that you're talking about. I think the, The thing that I'm gaining from all of this is, like, how do you look at your purpose, your belonging, your storytelling, and whether or not you're getting transcendence on a regular basis, but, like, trying to say, okay, today I want to, like, look for some transcendence. Like, maybe I'll keep my eyes extra open today and, like, try and let something impact me. I think it's just a blend of all those things. Uh, Shannon, what would you say for your storytelling? you you would you'd be focused on right now
0: for storytelling you are such a shameless plugger for storytelling uh one thing that i'm really enjoying and i'm getting a lot of meaning from is i'm doing a new podcast series that i'm calling the messy mucky Middle, and it's interviews with people who have who are moving through or who have recently moved through really messy mucky seasons of life and it's giving me such a feeling of of purpose and meaning through storytelling by listening to their stories and letting others hear their stories to have a little bit more humanity in the world about those. So thanks for the shameless plug, Robbie.
1: And that's a uh, that's for, for sale, Shannon? That's a for sale podcast?
0: No, it's not a for sale pro- podcast. It's yeah. a for free podcast on Apple and Spotify. And so listeners, you if you've
1: been listening to Workplace Hugs and enjoying shannon's voice and wondering how you could listen to more of that with less of rami's voice uh please start listening to the mucky messy messy mucky middle messy mucky mucky
0: middle middle.
1: the 3m podcast which i don't think is a good (laughs) name for your podcast uh, available everywhere probably where this podcast is also found
0: Yes, probably. Okay, so let's bring this back to the tactical for a minute. So engage it, so tactically, like what do, what do you do with all the things we talked about today? I think similar to what Rami was already touching on, how do you engage in the four s- sources of purpose whenever you can? So for belonging, reach out to someone at work who seems down today. For purpose, name what you're in devotion to lately and how it's contributing to something larger than yourself, and then just take one step toward it today, like sitting down with your kid playing Mancala if you're in devotion to being a great parent for storytelling practicing listening attentively to someone else's story today I I think you kick butt at this by the way uh, whether it's your kid your partner like be a great listener to someone and then for transcendence maybe it's sitting in awe beneath the starry night sky or looking at your freaking computer like Robbie said earlier to be in awe of the fact that someone else in another part of the world made this for you, and now you're getting to, to type on it every day. Um, or as Beyonce says, Talia and I recently watched Black is King again, in one of her songs, she says, you're part of something much bigger. Like, how do you remember mm-hmm. you're part of something much bigger? So as she says in the book, like, these may be humble acts on their own, but taken together, they light up the world. So go light up the world.
1: I love it. I love it.
0: So we'd love for you to connect with us on social media, on Instagram or at LinkedIn. And tell us, what source of meaning are you going to double down on next of those four that we talked about? And how are you going to double down on it?
1: I'm excited to hear what people are going to I want to Shannon, what are you going to focus on? I want to focus on transcendence. That sounds fun
0: honestly you're inspiring me that one i was just like yeah okay boring whatever but after this episode and your example of the laptop i'm like man i think i could use more transcendence in my life too those little moments of awe
1: let us know we want to hear from you guys and we want to connect with you we want to be inspired by you yeah Uh, thank you for listening to workplace hugs i have been rami and i've been
0: shannon and this has been workplace hugs